right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are P.S. This is Awesome. We're a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 315, the show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash P.S. This is Awesome. If you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. As always, you can write the show at PS. This is awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Be sure to leave comments, rate this podcast as you see fit, which means five stars. And as a reminder, this is a video podcast, so you can watch us over on YouTube if you prefer. So make sure you subscribe to that. And if you're new or if you've been around for a while, we thank you all the same, but if you want to thank us, we have a Patreon where you can support the show at $1 level. The Patreon tier is called the one and only $1 Club. You can head over to www.patreon.com slash awesome For $1 a month, you can become a patron of the show, and we will mail you a free die-cut vinyl sticker and give you a shout-out. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Jacob. How are you today, Mr. Peters? Uh... I'm coming in hot, I guess. I uh, <laughs> do you like? I don't even know what that food? means, but yeah, go proceed. So sorry, it's a little bit of a pun. So I am a big fan of the tortilla chip and salsa, uh-huh. and uh, it's like a, it's just like a regular snack that I have around the house, where it's mm. just like, oh, I just I need something a little little sweet and savory kind of thing. I just. Got a little jar of salsa in the in the fridge. I just throw th- uh, a few chips at it and you know just go about my day. Yeah, right. And uh, so <clears throat> I was on my way. I, I had to stop at the store because I ran out of shit to make for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed a jar of salsa. And they usually don't. They don't. They didn't have the one that I normally get. So I got the. Uh, the hot version mm. of it, and it usually the it's like just it's just like the Totitos brand. Usually, I like their uh, their restaurant style salsa. I think it's pretty good. Right, not an offensive then, um, salsa. Yeah, it's doable. No, and then uh, so I um I because uh, I, I don't like my salsa being too cheeky. I mean, some some of these salsas, it's like fucking just ch- chock full of cilantro and all this shit, and it just it just doesn't taste right to me. So. Anyway, they didn't have the stuff that I normally get, so I got the the hot one, which is like the chunky habanero one. Okay. And I'm like, you, you know, like when you get name brand, like name brand shit. Usually, hot is like in quotes, like it's not really that hot, right? You yeah, I mean? yeah. I mean, how hot can they really make it if it's if it's for everybody? A name basically? brand, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. What's the baseline hot for people? Usually, not very right. hot. And uh, I'm not saying that it's the hottest thing I've ever had, but it's pretty fucking hot. Yeah. So like, uh, and, and I, but it's like in a in a in a doable way. I still I still enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I had a, a little bit of that before jumping on the podcast here. My mouth is still feeling a little tingly. Mm. So uh, so you are coming that out quite literally. Yes. I like that. I like that. Um, I, on the other hand, have started a diet. Jake, I get chunky in the wintertime. Everybody knows this. Uh, I've seen pictures of me with like the band where I'm like skinny as Gumby. And I'm like, when was this? 
And then I'll see pictures of me where I'm actually bigger than I am now. And I'm like, God, don't let yourself get to that. So I feel like I was on the wrong trajectory. So it's time. You know what I mean? So I and, and it's really if anyone who doesn't know how to do this and I'm no expert. And so don't take this advice to heart. But the way I understand it and what has always worked for me is take in less calories than you use. If you do that on a daily basis, you should drop weight technically. I believe mathematically, scientifically, that's how the equation churns out. So I've been on a diet since Monday. I know the first couple pounds you lose is usually excess water weight. But I'm down six pounds, which is some would say unhealthy, uh, in seven days. So... That's not on it. I mean, dude, you can lose fucking six pounds in one day just in water weight. So yeah. I, it's it's really like, you know, I don't think that it's that. Dude, if I start getting lightheaded and crazy, then we, we got a problem. But that hasn't happened. And for those who don't know, I like to run. I like to jog. Jake and I will talk about this once in a while on the show. And I know at a ripe age of 42, running isn't in the cards for me. At my current weight, not that I'm big, because I think when you compare me to most Americans, I I don't look big, but I'm bigger than I want to be. So uh, shout out to anyone trying to lose weight. It's a good thing to do um, if you need to. And my goal is to get down to around the 170s, uh, which is where I was when I was running a lot and uh, it seemed to be the right right weight for me. I am currently about 194, so I've got a ways to go, but I've done it before. My goal is to get running in March, mid-March, end of March. I think that's feasible. Um, I've been doing a lot of walking, a lot of uh, at work, um, taking breaks, my lunch, just getting out there, moving the body, you know. I think I'm good. I I snap out of this really quick, and I have the willpower of, uh, I don't even know, of an alligator bite or something. Like, I... I don't let go. Once I start something, I don't. I don't stop. I won't release. Your problem is, is that you need you need to work out year round. The you winter is so hard for me. In the summertime, it's not hard, Fred. Buy a bike. <laughs> it's not hard, Fred. Buy a bike. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You don't but, have to. I mean, you don't. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to sit like buy a bunch of weights and do free weights. Oh, shit, I never never done that. Yeah, I've never. You could done probably. That. You can get. Dude, nowadays, especially with like Amazon and even like this bike that I bought, yeah, yeah. like like a, just a stationary bike mm-hmm. at home, you can get them so cheap now, yeah, and they're they're super low impact, so you can you know you can kind of keep that weight off without fucking up your knees and your hips. Yeah, but I I, um, I actually enjoy running though. I love to do it. Oh, I do too. But it fucking it can hurt. It can. Yeah, if, you, if you're. If you're not good, or you're not, you're not, uh, you're not built for, or you, you try too hard, or you're a little heavy, that'll really like that. fuck you up, right? Or if you're a fat ass, yeah, right. So this is this is the <laughs> the thing that I'm trying to get over. So I wouldn't call myself a fat ass. Um, no, I'm a no, little big boned, as they say. You're fine right now. I mean, yeah, everybody's yeah. got to have their own strategy, but for mm-hmm. me, it's like the only way that I will stick to it is I just I have to do it all the time well once yeah once you fall out yeah it's hard so um 
you know, and, and diet is obviously very important. And I try to, uh, I don't cut anything out of my diet, but I try to make sacrifices here and there that sort of offset some of my more uh, indulgent kind mm. of thingies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if I, uh, if I have like a, you know, fucking little Debbie cinnamon roll or something like that, that's like 500 calories or whatever. It's like, okay, but I play hockey today and I'm going to burn over 500 calories playing hockey. So it's a so wash. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like whatever, but right, right, right. it's just, a, it's just keeping it. Honestly, I think most of it is just keeping it in your consciousness right. and not just like eating willy nilly and being unaware of what you're consuming. Like I know a lot of people are (laughs) successful simply by just having a food diary. Like you don't have to maybe necessarily be super specific about what you are and aren't eating. But if you keep track of it and you see like, Oh, this is what I'm bringing in. Then it kind of allows you to be like, okay, well I already did this, this and this today. So whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's less like a matter of willpower and more of a matter of like, I just didn't fucking know I ate 5,000 calories today. Yeah, right. So well, the like, other thing uh, is, is, is is calorie counting works for me because it becomes a game, right? And I'm, and I'm goal-oriented, and I like to see how far I can take things. Like when I get it, that's – dude, that's just me. I like to fucking challenge myself. So if I'm not keeping track, there's no challenge. Right, right. So that's where my yeah. Uh, so yeah, there are really good apps for tracking these things, and like, it's not hard. I do this every winter. I didn't lose as much weight as I wanted to last winter. I think that's just my my metabolism slowing down, and I had a foot injury from running. Uh, you know, I need to get some insoles for sure. Speaking of which, last episode we were talking about how everybody tries to sell you something now, right? And you don't know what to trust. And I know your response is going to be, dude, just fucking go to so-and-so and do it there. But, like, I saw this thing, and this is by no means an endorsement, listeners. I have no fucking clue who these people are. But it's it's almost like somebody's listening to me. Because there is an advertisement that keeps showing up on my feeds. And it's for Upsteps Custom Orthotics. And they send you a thing that you step into and it creates a mold of your feet and then you send it back and they apparently make soles for shoes for you. And once they have the print, it's specific to your feet. And I'm like, here's my pro here's my problem with that. I wonder if it works. That's the thing. I don't fucking trust it. (laughs) It has to be, it has to be somewhat successful. Otherwise it, the company wouldn't exist, but like, I don't know. My big problem with that is that a lot of times if you if you over like for someone like that has flat feet right there is a difference between having anatomically fat flat feet and over pronating right and which is more of a like a weak arch kind of scenario yeah and so not to be to confused me, with I always weak wonder, ankles like, right <laughs> yeah so like I I uh, I'm always curious about like if you step into those things because I've gotten ads for those too. Okay, if so you step into them. those things and it shows that you have flat feet. Like when you go to the podiatrist mm. and you're standing there, they'll look at your alignment to your ankles, to your knees, all the way to up into your hips, yeah. 
and see actually how they need to adjust your feet and how so that all of that lines up. Right. And I don't know if does that translate in one of I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? I that's one of those things where it's like if it works, that's awesome. It's such a cool like it uh, could also thing if you don't right have not, to do that. Interrupt. I mean, and it could work, but is it the best solution? Is the other thing like would you be better off just going to a podiatrist? I've talked to my doctor several times because I know I overpronate. I know that's my thing. I know it's what I do, and because uh, I bought shoes that correct that. Um, mm. There was a brand of shoe. I'm not going to name them because it would be an advertisement. We don't want to do that. But there was a brand of shoe that had these shoes that were very, very kind of adjusted for people who overpronate. And I bought a pair. And holy shit, the difference after a run. Like, it was perfect. Like, it didn't feel weird while I was running. Everything just kind of worked and lined up. So it wasn't even necessarily a specific insole that I needed for my feet. But more so something that was just generally generically designed to correct overpronation in in the design of a shoe, and uh, it worked surprisingly. But those shoes are blown out, so and I they quit making them, so I'm kind of fucked on that regard because it was the best shoe for me. Um, I was. I, I will say though, if you it. go to a podiatrist, because I got insoles for my shoes, and I got running specific insoles. Mm. And I kind of wish I didn't. Really? Because running specific insoles are super stiff. Mm. And the way that they're designed, they're designed to literally last forever. Right. Because they're they're for people that run like marathons and shit. Mm. And so what ends up happening is the volume that I would run with these insoles, they would just give my feet blisters and shit. Like I'd have to put – I'd have to put baby powder in my shoes that so sucks. that the insoles didn't give me blisters. Do you wear socks so, when you run? Yeah. Okay. So um, so basically what I would like to do is get them swapped out for a standard like everyday cloth topped like insole because the running ones are like the top of them. It's almost like fucking leather. It's weird. Like they're – it's they're really really stiff. Yeah, like I'd have nothing hard. to compare them to, but that's interesting. We're just a bunch of old geezers talking about PlayStation and feet problems. Yeah. That might gross some people know. out. But if you're a runner and you have any advice to give us, throw it our way. We know we have some listeners out there who might be active in that regard. So I'm um I'm not really a really long distance runner. I think like the longest I've ever ran was like five miles. You know, but I, I'm a mm-hmm. consistent runner. Right when I start, I do it almost daily, five Ks. When I when I'm back in shape and I I love doing it, um, getting out, clearing my head, listening to some shit, and then just getting a shower and then approaching the rest of the day. It's so healthy for you, like mind, body, everything, everything. Thanks you for it. So, anyways, uh, I do want to add one thing. We played in Lawrenceville, Pittsburgh last night. We played at uh, one of my land. No, not last night, but Saturday. We're recording this on Monday. So again, sorry, patrons. We are not. We're you're still getting the episode early, but not as early as you normally do for anyone who doesn't understand the way this podcast works. The episodes air free for everybody on Wednesdays. It drops right at midnight and, uh, um, the patrons get a link to listen to the episode early. So we don't promise that, but we try to adhere to it. Usually, I know historically we have been getting them out over the weekend prior to the Wednesday that the show airs, but, um, things come up once in a while and we aren't able to always satiate or satisfy that. So for you guys, but, uh, yeah, this episode will be at least a day early. 
for the patrons, so thank you. Um, where I was going with that, we, we uh, played Lawrenceville on Saturday, one up by land. And let me just tell you how weird it is. And this is probably maybe something a lot of people can't relate to. So it's probably not even a good topic for the show or uh, icebreaker. But Jake, I've been doing music for a very long time. You know this. Since I was like 16 so we used to tour when I was 17 years old. We would tour the country, the, mainly the east side of the United States, me and my friends, my first band, the Torpentines. We would do shows and we booked all this ourselves and we would traverse the country and we would meet new people. We'd make friends and we would go out with other bands that were usually historically pretty much older than us. As we got older, we started another band called Signal Home. Signal Home went out and did a lot of tours. One of the most memorable tours we did was with a band called Last Tuesday. And Last Tuesday, this was like a three-month tour, I think. It was really long. We were all over. We made it down to Texas. We were all over the place, just living in our van, touring. Um, this is when Signal Home's re- – we got picked up by a label, and then our record was distributed through Sony. For those who don't know, we had one album, and then the label disbanded. Um, and everyone signed that label got dropped. We quit as a band, but we, we had a really memorable tour with last Tuesday. We did tour outside of that tour. We were, we were out quite a bit, but that happened. And then of course I went and started doing solo stuff. And then I started up one of my land with three members of signal home. And, uh, that is the current band we're in with three full lengths out now. And, uh, we did a split and then we have, uh, a two song, e- uh, EP, I guess it'd be called just a, I don't know. Um, but, We played Saturday in Pittsburgh in the – I don't know if it's a bureau or whatever, Lawrenceville, at Lawrenceville Distilling Company. And, dude, it was a reunion like no other. It was like we played with a band called Pummeled. If you guys are interested, they're fantastic. They're from Pittsburgh. They're called Pummeled, which is a cool name. Their singer used to play in a band called The Vacancy back when the Torpentines, back when I was 17 – their singer played in this band. I don't know how many years ago that was. You do the math. I'm 42 now. So 25 years ago, I think, uh, I made friends with this guy named Ben. He was playing the show on Saturday with his new band. And uh, he looked identical. I have not seen him for about 25, 24 years. And it was like nothing had changed. His band was fantastic. We played. He had a shitty grin the whole time we were playing, right up front watching. Loved every minute. We both loved each other's sets. We're going to do more shows with Pummeled. They're great. They're a three-piece, and they're one of the best-sounding three-pieces I've ever heard. Um, Their bass player plays in a band called Gloomer, G-L-O-O-M-E-R, which is kind of shoegaze rock and roll out of Pittsburgh, and they're really good also. So that's what's cool about music. So the weird thing is, is you have all of these really intimate uh, friendships with people in other bands because you're out on the road with them and you're touring with them. And then out of nowhere, like the tour's over and you just, you part ways and you probably don't ever talk to them again unless you tour with them or play another show with their band, right? We're just doing our own thing, but you get really close with these people. Another dude named Ben, Ben played in, in the band last Tuesday, the signal home toured with, he was in a band on Saturday called go for the gold. And they are like a fat record style, tightest fucking live band I've seen in a long time. My God, they were tearing the walls off the place. They were so good. Um, and my my friend Eric played guitar for them. So they were 
two guitars. Two guitars. Eric used to play in a band called A Voice Like Rhetoric, and uh, Signal Home toured with those guys. I haven't seen Eric in forever, and you know, since then he had been filling in for Pat and Anti Flag on their overseas tours and stuff. Um, just filling in on drums, which is a really good experience for him. But he's he's always been musically inclined and super, super, super talented. And uh, man, it was just like me, Ben, Ben, and Eric, and Troy, and all these old hats that like had so much history. And the show was great. Um, man, the show was fantastic. It was a, it was one of those shows that like there's no fucking stage, but there's a great sound system. And everybody just piled in, and bands were just playing the fucking roof off this place. And it was all good music. And it was so rejuvenating to be a part of something with people who I know have so much, for lack of better uh, way to phrase it, skin in this game. They have so many horses in the race, the music race, and they're all so talented. And uh, to be amongst the same people going through the same shit, just trying to fucking have fun and hold on to the things they love to do, was so nice. And uh, it was a really good show, man. And if people weren't there, they missed out on a fucking great show. And this place is in a weird spot. Like, you go through Lawrenceville, and uh, Charlie, no, you go through Lawrence. Sorry, he's smelling something over there. You go through Lawrenceville, and, like, you pass the... uh, the Thunderbird Cafe, you're on that main drag, and you pass some other like it's that area has kind of been. I hate to use the word, but gent- gentrification has happened in this area. Like there's, they've put up a lot of nice shops. There's a lot of like, there's been a facelift to Lawrenceville. It used to be kind of a sketchy area. People still think the crime rate might be a little high, but you go through all of this, and I'm like, and I kept driving. I'm like, wait, where the fuck are we playing? Are we not playing like in, in Lawrenceville? And then like it was down this alley and then down, way down this other thing. And then there's just this Lawrenceville Distilling Company. And it was a cool spot. And uh, I hope that they do more shows there. And it's really helpful to play places like that because that place was like sending Instagram stories out and tagging us. Be like, oh, one of my land killed it and stuff like that. So they have, I don't know how many followers, quite a few. So stuff like that is really, really fun and important to do in a band. Um, we have rekindled relationships with other bands now in Pittsburgh. So I hope we get back more often. We have a show scheduled, scheduled at a, at a record store called the government center, which is such a stupid name for a record store, but I guess it's an awesome record store. And, uh, we're playing there with our buddies in night marathons who are also from Pittsburgh. So I can't wait to do that. That'll be in April. So we are slowly working our way into that Pittsburgh scene, which is great for us because, um, yeah, I don't know. Dude, it's it's wild. Like I I don't these other bands we played with are so good. And uh it's funny. I'll tell you a quick funny story. If anybody knows our drummer Jim Stone, he's kind of a wild card. He's he's such a nice guy. But uh he absolutely always calls it as he sees it. And uh he was talking with the owner. And the owner's like, "What band are you playing?" And he was like, "I'm playing one of my land." And he goes, "Oh, the guys in Go for the Gold said you're the best band in Pennsylvania right now." And Jim 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 said he just looked at the guy and said, well, he wasn't fucking telling you the truth. <laughs> so we are we are humble to a uh, you know to a fault, honestly. Like we we do what we do, but it seemed to be everybody really liked us, man. So I, maybe this new record has given us some traction that we don't even really fully understand yet. So this is good. This is good for us. That's my icebreaker. I don't really have anything else as far as that goes. So why don't I shut up and we'll get into 
the rest of the show. Every episode, we talk about games that we're playing. The show, obviously, is no different. Jake, I got to say this. No regrets whatsoever. No fucking regrets on this. Uh, I have not played much more Final Fantasy 16. Um, but I purchased Helldivers 2. And if you didn't pick up from the title of this episode, I am in love with this game. This game is a beautiful thing. We've got news post points about this we're going to touch on. Let me just tell you, oh my God, I don't think Arrowhead expected this game to pick up like it did. Um, the original Helldivers I thought was successful, but I didn't feel like I had a huge fan base. So whatever they did with the promotion of this game, they've attracted a ton of people. And now we all know the gameplay of Helldivers, the first game, was not broken by any means. It was fucking great. And it was hilarious. And it was fun. And it was creative. And it was like all of the things refreshing for like a co-op game. However, it was top down. Now, Helldivers 2, you've heard us talk about on the show. This is a day one purchase. I bought it when it came out. I fucking jump in. And I'm doing some solo missions to try to figure this shit out. And I'm like, holy shit, this game is fucking... It is everything I want. It's, it is so good. I can't even explain... I can't even... It's impossible to explain how much opposite I feel about this than I do about Final Fantasy in regards to thinking about it when I'm not playing it. All I want to do is play Helldivers 2. It's all I want to do. Like, this game is so good. And the reason I say this, I will say it doesn't come without some launch issues, for sure. It's cross-play, PC, PlayStation. Matchmaking was broken day one, day two. As far as, like, joining random people's games, it was a really serious issue. And I 100% guarantee it was because of the server in Arrowhead just not expecting people to buy this game up like they did. And and it will be a news point, but to give you an idea, this game launched with more sales on Steam than God of War did. So this is... Well, was it more sales or more concurrent players? I might have been more concurrent players, but I also hear from Push Square that it, it's just flat out doing better than what God of War did. So I don't know. I'd like to see the numbers in a little bit. But this game is fucking gnarly. Um, For those who don't understand the way it works, it's a four-person co-op game down to one-person solo. You can't exceed a squad of more than four people. There is not... uh, What do they call that chat? Proximity chat. There's not proximity chat. just regular chat within the squads. This is very Starship Trooper-esque. There's a fantastic trailer when you start the game up for the game, like a little intro. You can skip it. But it's it's so worth the watch. I've watched it a couple times because it's absolutely hilarious. It's uh, it's so good. And then you get to pick the name of your ship. Every Helldiver gets their own ship. And the way they, they make you pick the name is so clever. They, they avoid the possibility of doing crash stuff because they have they have a rotating wheel of different words on the left and a rotating wheel of different words on the right and they have the blank blank or the the blank and then of is always there and then blank so the the options for the name of your ship are like so impossibly var- various like you know you can just pick anything like you you think about it like it could be anything Mine is called 
the Ar- the Harbinger of Eternity, which I think is a fantastic fucking name. And every single one looks good. Like when you do the scroll thing, they're all badass. And I don't know how they do this. This is what you need to like make up a band name. Like all the cool words in the world and then just like spin the wheel and like that's what our band should be called. So, but I sat and I picked my name and it's cool because any Helldivers that join your mission will see your ship name, which is cool. And you are the captain of your ship. Um, there inside the ship, there are different areas that you can upgrade. Um, the purpose of the game is, is that you are, this is a hundred years after Helldivers one ends. You did ward off the threat, right? So they're coming back a hundred years later, the critters, the bugs, and you have to stop them from getting to super earth, which is where you're from. So all these hell divers sign up, you know, they get drafted up, they get convinced that this is what they got to do for the country. And, uh, the game is very difficult, but it's not, if you play it on easy or even medium, it's very doable every mission, but it's always loads of fun. There is also a new threat, the automatons, which are robots, that are also encroaching. Their missions are fucking hard because they can shoot. <laughs> and you're like trying to like, it's insane. Um, to, to, to break down the different things, your loadouts, you, you, well, first off, you get, your ship has four hell pods and it's essentially a sewer grate. You pick a mission from the map, you pick the difficulty, you walk up to the sewer grate and you, your feet lock into it, and it sucks you down in. And then you, as the player, get to pick the drop point. Where are you going to shoot this hell pod down onto this mission map? And the maps are all uh, the maps are all procedurally generated. They're never the same. I will say some of the uh, missions, the actual missions themselves, can be a little samey. But the map, the topographical layout of the maps, where the bugs spawn where uh the 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 exfiltration is where the things are all of the random like somewhat points of interest you can run into all of the sample collection is all randomized on all the maps there are missions where it's like you have to escort 15 sit or 20 citizens to safety and it's really simple you just have to do a couple codes and then three let out at a time, and they have to run to another destination, and you just got to make sure 20 of them make it there. So it's not like they at you escort them back to the exfil point. It's all in that area that you find. So it's really easy. There's not like protect these people for the rest of the mission because that would be fucking impossible. So they don't really, you don't really run the risk of AI getting in the way as far as friendly AI because these these citizens are on a lemming trajectory, meaning... They follow a path and they don't stop. They don't try to duck. They don't try to run. They literally are going from point A to point B once you let three out. And it's your job to keep them from dying as a four-person squad, which is really fun. So on the easy – but it always seems like it's kind of the same layout when you have that mission. But getting there, that's just a point on the map that you get dropped into. Getting there is a whole other fucking story. You'll run into all kinds of fucking issues. And it's – so fun. There's a really good ping system when you're down there with your squad. You can turn off matchmaking. By default, it's on, meaning you pick the mission. Anybody looking for a mission to hop into can jump into your ship. Helldivers is very uh, it's very sarcastic in a way that you, if you hold left on the D-pad, you'll do the Helldiver salute, which is just going like this. 
to like the people in front of you. So like anytime anyone gets on my ship to go on a mission, I'll stand at the stairs. They have to come up and I'll give them the this. And they always, everyone is dialed into this game. They always give you one of these back and then they go past and the next guy will come up and I'll give them one of these. And we'll, all four of us will go and we'll jump in our fucking hell pods. We'll pick the landing spot. And then we also pick the stratagems. So stratagems are these, these different boosts. Uh, essentially you're putting in, like, I think I mentioned last time, like the Contra code or mortality code, like fatality code or whatever on the D pad to access them and they run on a cooldown. Now, the way it works in the game is awesome um, because before you drop in, depending on which stratagems you have unlocked through collecting samples on previous missions, um, they become accessible to you. So also depending on what kind of mission you're going to run. If it's like a defend the flag mission where you guys just have to protect an area, you might want to bring down three fucking Gatlin turrets and not worry about having like a missile strike because missile strikes are more like regionalized. If you put down those fucking turrets, they're just going to mow down anybody that comes close to the flag. Of course, they time out after a certain time. But if you go down with the right gear, the game can be fucking great. But there's always an element of danger. These pods can drop and kill you. You can also use them to kill enemies. So if there's a really big bad guy, you can throw like a resupply for ammo stratagem down and it takes maybe 15 seconds 10 seconds for it to come out of your drop ship so you got to like kind of like line up where's the enemy going to be when i throw this thing it's the same with the air support you got to figure out who's the enemy like if an enemy's attacking a squad member and you see an enemy like like a bull kicking up like it's going to charge somebody you might want to throw the fucking fire support down right on your friendly guy because you think it might time right because you know he should be running but there are instances where your where your your companion or your your squad mate like will fucking like not run or like go prone on accident and then your fucking fire thing goes down and rains to hell and kills him but then your squad has a limited amount of respawns, and they're called support stratagems. The support stratagem is always available until it runs out. So whether one person dies or two people die or three people die, when you throw that support stratagem, they all get called back. So you might not want to use it if only one person's dead. You might want to save it for when the next guy dies, and then you get two for one. So there's strategy in this game. Um, there are planets. So the way that the map works is... This is so fucking rad, dude. They, they they fucking knocked it out. There's Super Earth, and then there's like a line. And it's like, imagine like a football, like a, a five-yard line. Everything in between that five-yard line, there's like three or four planets. Two of them are accessible. And it shows the overall uh, internet community um, pushback against the bugs. The, the Terminites, or whatever the hell they're called. And... Those two planets that they have, there's usually two, those two planets have about eight to ten missions apiece. And those missions change every time you log in. But the system does track the amount of successful missions. And when you complete a mission, it contributes to the overall fight against the Terminus or the Terminate Knight guys, whatever. So you might wake up one morning and find, oh, fuck, we pushed them back. Now I have new planets to check out. And the planet topography is like some planets are ice cold, which means you get stuck in snow. Some planets are dry as fucking Death Valley. 
and your weapons overheat and your stamina depletes quicker. Some planets, there's no bad effects. Dude, you just get out there and like these planets and they're beautifully rendered. Some have such dense fog that you don't even see the enemies when they're in front of you. And it's it's really difficult, but it's also absolutely like nail biting when you're trying to exfiltrate and you're trying it's like division when you call in like a thing to es- get your shit out but it's like you're calling in a helicopter to pick you guys up right pick up your squad and then you're holding down the fucking fort and everybody you know wants to be on like one fucking knee going prone and like trying to like fucking protect the chopper as it comes down it's so rad and i haven't played it with any friends yet but my experiences are just fantastic um you can deck yourself out with heavy armor if you've acquired it. Another thing about this game, and I know I'm going on a long time, dude. I'm just so fucking jazzed. It feels good to feel this way about a video game. Another thing about it is there are some – some uh, you can buy war bonds or blah, blah, blah things with real money. They are so equitable in how they've done this. Like for two dollars, you can get like I don't know three hundred bucks or something that'll give you a brand new skin and maybe some other shit. So like it's not like oh pay ten dollars and get a, get like one thing. It's like the way they have they have found I think a very fair and very good sweet spot um, for this. And the other thing is, you don't have to do that. There, there is, there is no tier, there is no tier of thing that can only be acquired by using real money. All of it is in game, and all of it you acquire at a reasonable rate. So, like, they fucking knocked this out. Like everything about the shit, the, the in-game purchases have been. I haven't purchased anything, and I've gone through like three subsets of all these unlockables. I've upgraded my ship. Um, I guess if you want to speed up some of that shit for yourself, you can. But it's it's genius. They've they've just made a fantastic game. All of the matchmaking has worked out now. They've patched it. They're on it. They've uh, Arrowhead are doing a superb job. They're being very very transparent with their player base, and because the game is so good, everybody is cool. Everybody's like, yeah, we get it. It's not a fucking big deal. Like, work it out. We fucking love your game. And, like, the community is so good right now. Oh, it's... I can't even, man. It is so fucking good. Just the the hilarity, too. Like, the some of the Gatlin stuff that you could... These turrets, they... They'll shoot at the bugs even if you're in their line of sight. So, like, man, it's just so fun. Friendly fire is always on... Um, there was a tagline that came up as we were diving to hell or down to a planet that said, friendly fire isn't. <laughs> it's so funny to me. They, they just fucking knock it out. Friendly fire isn't. It's not friendly because you're fucking shooting your squad mate. Um, but Jake, I, uh, I'm not going to tell you to get this game. I talked to your brother, Josh. I texted him and I was like, dude, you got to fucking get this game. Like, I think... Josh is okay with multiplayer games, and I think he would really enjoy it. There's no need to actually communicate with people. And because it's team-based, everybody has been – I have not had one bad experience yet with a squad of people. Like, everybody seems to know what the fuck is up with this game. Like, 
the I I've only heard I've only heard of one issue that some people are doing, and it might be people new to the game, is they'll call they'll call the uh, exfiltration ship um, prematurely, and if you don't board it when it lands, you have like two minutes to board it. If you can't get to it, let's say like some of your squad's stuck somewhere, or they still want to explore. And you're like, ah, fuck it, I don't want to do. I'm going to go call the expert. You can still do that and fuck your squad over, and they get they get they get fucked like at the end of the mission because they can't they can't exfil. Um, so I guess there are some people, but that really could be just someone not understanding the way the game works. So I haven't had that experience, and I don't know why anyone would even really want to do that because it ruins the the integrity of the mission you run and it screws up everybody's game, including yours. So. The game is really thought out, man. Helldivers 2 is a fucking... Dude, 10 out of 10 for me. Hands down. 10 out of 10. I have hours into it. I've got trophies. I only think about it. There are some cool videos of people playing this game. Because it's so easy to die. Someone was like... Someone posted this post. They're like, when you have armor, when you have heavy armor, protect your squad mates. And there's a move where if you double tap circle, you dive and go prone. And then you get into like the Ellie thing from Last of Us where you're laying on your back and you're just aiming and rolling around. So that's a thing in this game. So like there's some really movie-esque moments where like bugs will come and jump at you and you can jump out of the way. And then you're like caught on your back with your weapon up and you try to blast them and stuff. It's really cinematic in that in that regard. But this guy posted this post. And he's like, you know, always, always look out for your teammates when you have heavy armor. And... This Gatlin, like it must be, he must have been fighting automatons, but this Gatlin gun just started fucking firing. And he just shoots and jumps, goes pro, like does the jump and just boom, just gets nailed by a fucking bullet and goes flying. Like the ragdoll effects are hilarious. They're not like terrible, but they're like not hilarious and terrible, but they're so fucking hilarious. And he just went fucking sailing, but it didn't kill him and he gets back up. And he just keeps returning fire. And it's like, take, you know, if you got heavy armor, you need to be doing this for your squad mates. And it's just like, it's so fucking awesome. Oh my God. There, there are jetpacks you can unlock. There's, I ended up stealing somebody's drop because they died. And it was, it was like some sort of like a protector pack. Imagine the pack from Death Stranding where it has like the little thing that goes like this. This thing had like an antenna on it. And anytime bugs would start attacking, it would just, it was a drone. It'd pop out of my back and it would just start fucking firing at the enemies. Like it was like a protector. Now it probably didn't do as much damage, but it at least, number one, would warn me where the bugs are. And then number two would probably hold them back a little bit more so they couldn't rush me as fast. I don't know at what point you unlock that backpack. Dude, this game is the shit. This is what everyone needs to be playing. Um, I'm done talking about it. I don't know if I've convinced you to be interested in this game. LJ, I talked to LJ, and he said that maybe on sale he would pick it up. I seriously, 100%, I think it's $59.99. I, uh, it might have been $49.99. I think it was $59.99. I 100%, if you're interested in anything I'm talking about, I recommend the fuck out of this game. Is it difficult? Yes. But it's not difficult that, like... You want to throw your controller, dude. It's it's so well balanced. If you're running solo missions, do easier medium. Medium's going to be a really ch- big challenge. If you've got more than one person, you can probably do a medium level with two people. Anything over medium, you got to have a full squad. And uh, you unlock the difficulty as you level up and unlock stratagems and stuff for yourself. But holy shit, Jake, this game. 
20 minutes later, I I can't go on enough about it. Whatever you have, I don't actually, I don't actually need to buy it now because you fucking told me everything there is to know about it. So (laughs) you have to experience it. God, so good. Yeah, it seems. It seems. I mean, it seems good. I'm glad people are liking it. Oh my god. Um, I wonder what the rating. I don't know if I'll. I don't know if I'll buy it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it definitely looks fun, but there's a component of it that is just. I just don't see that the, how you could possibly have the full experience with this game without playing it multiplayer. Yeah, you got to have other people. You, you do. So, so it's one of those things where it's like, I that that's just like one of, like with LJ. Like if it was on sale, I'd probably pick it up just because I want to su- you know support them, and I imagine that I would probably have some fun with it, mm. but. Uh, there's just too much other shit to play right now for me to pick up something that I might not be that interested in playing. I don't want to say I wouldn't be interested in playing it, but um, could be problematic from a multiplayer perspective for me. You don't, so. yeah, you don't have to find people to play with though. They just show up at your ship if you don't close the channel, and then you just fucking drop in and play, and then you have help from from random strangers, which is very much how the military works, I believe. You get thrown in with people you would have no business being around. Um. I I get that, but there, <laughs> there's still an element. There's still an element of the game where it's like I want to just kind of fuck off and and like go wander around and like do the things that I mm-hmm. want to do, and like I don't want to have to worry about like am I helping this guy sufficiently? Am I pissing these people off because I'm not doing what they want me to do? And like, there's like all this shit where it's like everybody has a co- like there's a common goal that everybody's trying to achieve and everything yeah. and it's like you know um i uh i totally get it i mean i'm sure it's great dude i'm on open so. critic trying to look at their their score i don't see a score that they put on here for it i don't think really anybody has scored it yet because it's so well because of the way that it's mm. it plays and uh because it's mostly a, an online game, mm-hmm. and people haven't had a ton of time with it. And I know there was some, there was some guff about some uh, like the the servers, and then there was some shit people didn't like about some of the microtransactions. Oh, and those are so fun. like yeah. So I think that like it's just one of those things where it probably is going to take a few days for there to be like a decent number of reviews on. Uh, on open credit mm-hmm. and Arrowhead has said they're going to continue to support this game so and I know they did with the original Helldivers they supported the shit out of that so with new content so I'm really curious I mean uh, PlayStation Universe gave it a 9 out of 10 I'm looking at some of these reviews um, the game crater never heard of them 8 out of 10 8.4 out of 10 from serial killers I don't know but PlayStation Universe uh, they seem to be probably the most notable one so far and uh, they they seem to like it. It's got a seven out of ten right now on Steam, I believe. Um, but dude, this game is uh, it's picking up like wildfire. Uh, it's fantastic. It's it's fucking great. So that's that's all I've been playing, and I haven't played it nearly as much as I want to because I have to record this damn podcast tonight, or I would be playing Hell Divers all night. I'm just fucking thinking about it. And I got to work overtime tomorrow. Cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you like it. Fuck. And I'm glad that other people are liking it too. Oh, it scratches an itch. I'll tell you that. And 
One last thing about it. You can't... They they did something really creative with the aiming of the weapons, and you actually have more accurate shots when you're crouched and when you're prone. So they, they created a universe where every instinct is to run away, like walk backwards and shoot, but as you do that, you lose accuracy. So like you have to stand your fucking ground. And then ammo is also like not scarce because you can call down supplies, but... They do something really creative too, and, and this is the end. I'll, I'll shut up about it till next week because I know I'll be talking about more. I don't know if you remember Helldivers One, Jake, but I know you played it. But do you remember what they did with the ammo and the clips? Like, if you had like ten rounds left and it was a safe time to reload because it takes a minute to reload, like you have to weigh: is it worth losing those ten rounds because as soon as I reload, they're gone? Or do I save those 10 rounds for my next firefight just to get 10 more extra shots and then risk trying to reload with the enemy approaching? So, like, there's all kinds of mini shit going on there. It's like, ah, it's so good. I don't know, man. I fucking love it. God, it's so fucking good. So good. All right. We got a surprise at the end of this podcast, by the way, too. I have a surprise for you, too, Jake. I don't think you know what's happening, but um, it's good. Uh, There's no – Jake, what about games you're playing? Let's hear it. Uh, so I beat, finally beat Death Stranding. Um, <laughs> God, I, I'm like super amped now for the second game. Mm-hmm. But dude, Kojima's got to stop with this fucking Return of the King ending shit, where it's like. The game ends like ten fucking times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I I just did uh you know you know, you you fight um what's his face, Higgs, you sort that shit out, and they they make it seem like, oh, the game is ending mm-hmm. and then like all this other stuff ends up happening and there's this whole other arc. I'll be honest with you, when I got to the part where it's like are you going to spoil anything? So, no. Okay. Not really. Not story-wise, anyway. But there's a part where you like you do this big battle, and you think that it's over. Yeah. And then it's like... And then you're like, okay, well... um, It's not over. There's this whole other thing that we got to do. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then they're like... But actually, um, in order for you to do that thing... You have to travel all the fucking way back to where you started the game. Yeah. And because of all this weird storm shit that's happening, you can't fabricate any tools to help you. You can't do tools. So it's like, and then you can't fast travel, right? You can't fast travel. You can't do any tools. You have to hope that somebody left a fucking vehicle for you or something. Otherwise, you're walking this whole goddamn distance. There's five times as many BTs. Like, like the, like the BTs... There, there are areas where there's no BTs around, and then all of a sudden the big BT shows up out of nowhere and starts attacking you because it just, like, triggers in the environment. It's not like whenever you get drug under and then it makes one. Yeah. One just shows up. And, like, I have no problems with, like, the BTs <laughs> and the fighting and all that kind of crap. I don't know, man. Like, I, like I've, I got to the point where I was kind of okay with all of the delivery stuff yeah. because – you unlock you do unlock some tools that make it easy and some of it is kind of cool like running around and getting from A to B yeah. and the game is pretty and everything 
but like man it's it's like it it didn't need to be as like long. you didn't have to drag you didn't have to drag me through this over and over again right like i i could have you could have been like oh uh after the after the big bad or what you think is the big bad it's like now i got to do this other thing it's like you you could have just got me there Mm-hmm. Or you could have at least given me the tools so that like it would, wasn't that big of a deal to go back, and then like, uh, uh, yeah, I. But dude, the story is fucking awesome, and like the end, the ending is fucking cool, and uh, I um. So I'm really excited for for the second game. I mean, even if it is, uh, even if it is more of the same or an evolution on the same thing. I will admit though, the, the gunplay is bad in this game. Yeah, it isn't good. It's, it's not good. Uh, but, uh, like those sections where you're fighting the, like in the war zones where you're fighting like cliff and his soldiers and all that. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I don't know. There are times where like, you just like can't hit them. Like I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's like the way that the reticle splits into like two pieces. Like it, it's fucking weird. But uh, that said, it is kind of. I love the concept of like the blood ammo and like it's con- like you use your own blood in order to fuel your bullets and yeah, like that's it'll fucking kill you cool. If you keep firing yeah. them. And then there's like the there's like the blood the you you like fill up these blood packs that you keep on you and if like as you use your ammo like the blood packs will refill your blood and like it's a uh, I'm not going to lie like the game is fucking cool. Mm. There's something about it that is just so cool. But once once I got to the so Sarah was watching me play the end of it. And um, you see credits in this game like three fucking times. That's another thing I hate about video it's games. It's such a tropey thing. Or, yeah. It's not even just video games. It's like movies and shit. Like I hate when they do that. But it's like – so Sarah watched me play the end of it and she was like, I don't know like if this is normal, but I feel like you've been, you've been watching cutscenes more than you've been actually playing the game. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of Kojima's style. Yeah. Like – between the big cutscene sections, it's there's a lot of gameplay. Mm. But when you get to like the story beats, there'll be cutscenes for like an hour straight with like little interstitial bits. Yeah. And uh So I don't really have a whole lot else to say other than there's a section where like after you beat the game, it it drops you back into like the world two weeks earlier and you you can just run around and do whatever the fuck you want after that. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as that happened and it was like, but it, it posted as a new episode in the story. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I got to do this again. And then I, and then I, I, go, I, for, I just looked it up on my phone. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's, they're like, it's just the end game. Like you can go around complete missions, do whatever you want. And at that point I was like, done. I'm out. I'm not playing any more of this. I'm not delivering any fucking packages for free. Like I, I, I know. I, I enjoyed everything about it, and I did some of the side quests and stuff. But you're not going to get me to 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 like f- struggle through like all of this backpacking shit for like two hours just to get like 15 likes or something. Like it, it's like I I think that. 
the game would have been awesome had he just reeled it in a little bit. Right. And uh, and I'm hoping that there's a little bit more focus with the second game. Anyway, I've been going on too long. But uh, so since I beat that, I, uh, I've been playing two other games over the weekend. I've been I, – I, I started a, a new playthrough of um, – on the – Sony, the PlayStation Plus Extra, mm-hmm. you can get the PS4 version of South Park, The Stick of Truth. Oh, yeah. I knew you liked that game. And, and so, dude, I fucking loved this game when it came out on PS3. It is not even kidding you. It might be the just pound for pound funniest fucking video game on the planet. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I was thinking about jumping into... uh something else i don't remember what it was i think it was like persona or something like that but then i was like you know what i've literally been living in just the most dreary fucking (laughs) depressing world for like a month in death stranding i gotta play something that's a little bit more uh fun yeah so i i dropped into uh to south park and dude this game is so fun it's so fucking good like especially if you have ps plus extra and you're like don't get me wrong, like, it is super offensive. And there are, like, these sections in it where it's just, like, it's it's hilarious. But you gotta, you gotta, like, you gotta take it. Like, if you've ever watched South Park, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, it's so fucking good. And then uh, I, I've only played, like, two hours of it. But I started um, Immortals of Avium. Oh, yeah, right. So, uh, That's, was that, is that free or something, or? No, no. Um, my brother and I do game sharing. Right, yeah. You've talked about that. Bought, he bought it. Okay. Yeah, he bought it. So uh, so I downloaded it just to try it out, and um, it seems really cool. Like, it actually seems legitimately cool. So I'm excited to play more of it. Uh, the one thing I will say about it, and this is a problem I've complained a lot about on this show, uh-huh. but, like, why is it so hard for these fucking companies to figure out? first-person aiming controls like we've I, talked I about really this don't yeah I, mm. and i it, the thing is is that like i think what it boils down to is how seamless is your auto aim like i think that's part of the reason why call of duty and uh and uh destiny feel so good is that they have this like auto aim that's so smooth that it makes you feel like a fucking boss and it doesn't – it's not like snapping to the enemy's head or something like that. Um, it's almost like predictive kind of and yeah. it kind of like eases you in and shit. It's an interesting idea. But the other thing – the other thing is like, dude, why why do all these games now by default have these enormous dead zones on the controller? Like I fucking load into any of these games and I'm like, why can I not fucking control the look on this thing? And then I go in there. And the dead zone is like twenty five percent, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" And I, I drop it to like, it's not, tight. it can't be zero because yeah. it'll drift, right? So, but I make it like just above zero where it's not drifting anymore, and it, it's, it's way tighter and it feels way easier to control. Like, I don't understand why this is a thing. Like, are they trying to cater towards people that just like are incapable of playing fucking video games, or is it like? Is there something I don't understand about it? Anyway, that's a bit of a digression. But I will say that, like, the world and everything and the presentation and stuff of this game is is super cool. So I 
I'm excited to jump back into it a little bit more and 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 check it out. But that's really all that I've been playing. Yeah, well, I'm glad um, that you're uh, diving into some stuff and you didn't just uh, take a breather. Dude, I just saw today. I know I talked about it before, but like, I didn't realize that fucking Banisher's Ghost of New Eden comes out tomorrow. I just threw in a quick blurb about the Push Square review that they gave on it, and and like, uh, so, and I'm not gonna play it. I, like I'm literally just biding my time until Final Fantasy, right? But I, uh, there's just so much shit. Like, you know, like we said, Persona, Hell Divers, fucking Banishers. Then you know, then we've got like uh, obviously Final Fantasy and all this other stuff coming out. I, so I really think after the first quarter, it's gonna slow down. I really think it will. I, I don't really see a whole lot. Coming down the pike, really. That I'm. Stellar Blade comes out at the start of the second quarter. I'm gonna probably play yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, it, it is slowing down a little bit, probably over the summer. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, well, let's anyway. move in to. Uh, we don't have any listener feedback. If you want to write the show, you can. PSIsAwesomeGmail.com or just leave us a comment on our YouTube post or uh, head over to Patreon. Sign up for a one dollar a month patronage and uh, leave us a message there. Jake, the first news point. We're gonna go right into news. First news point is about Skull and Bones. And uh, I don't really have a lot to say about this, but I thought it was interesting. The internet always claps back on everything. And uh, apparently there's a lot of clap back about the price point for Ubisoft Skull and Bones. They're charging $70 for this game. Um, Despite it apparently having a free-to-play roadmap. Uh, and the CEO of the company stated it made a really stupid comment, but said said that during a recent Q and A session, he says, "You will see the Skull and Bones is a fully fledged game. It's a very big game, and we feel that people will really see how vast and complete that game is. It's a really full, triple, quadruple A game that will deliver in the long run." That sounds like a political talk to me. Um, just change your voice and say that is all I'm saying. <laughs> the way that reads is just like, you will see that Skull and Bones is a very fully fledged game. It's a very big game. And we feel that people will really see how vast and complete that game is. It's a really full, triple, quadruple A game that would deliver in the long run. It just sounds like you're trying so to fucking full. sell something. The yeah. most vastness. This is the, most, <laughs> this is the game that has the most full, vast in fact, it's, in fact, we're going to invent quadruple A on the spot and just say we're the first quadruple A game ever. You've um, never seen a game this fast. You've never seen a game that's so many A's is our game. But there's no way. I mean, this. I, I hope that this game is good just because it's been in development for so long. Like I, no. I would, I would like for it to do well. But, bro, I mean. You can't – dude, you can't say that there's a free-to-play roadmap and then charge people 70 bucks for it unless I'm misunderstanding. They're not calling it a free-to-play roadmap, but it has a roadmap that one would see that a free-to-play title would have. Oh, that's that's more of like a – it's kind of like a live service strategy. I, I can kind of understand right. that. Right. I, I just think that it's one of these things where it's like – you guys had to have known that this thing was going to be put through its paces at the very least when it came out because it's been 
it's been in development for so long. Right. And and they it literally when we saw that gameplay reveal of it, I don't know, it's like a year ago now, whatever it was. Dude, it literally looked like a fucking uh, a spinoff of Assassin's Creed Four, which came out ten years ago. And so it's like, why, uh, why should I be excited about this? Right. And I really want, I really want it to be like. Like they should, they should have like tried to, and maybe they did do this, and I just didn't see it because I don't care about it. But like, they should have almost angled it as like a like a sea of thieves kind of competitor, mm. rather than being like this. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't really. I don't know what to say about this game. I I just I want it to be good from an from just the perspective of I want all games to succeed. Yeah, but. I don't think that anybody fucking expects this game to to do well. Here's the thing. The developer and publisher have every right to charge whatever they want to charge, right? First off, um, if you want to fucking give the game away and hope that like you can make money inside the game, whatever. If you want it to be games as a service, free-to-play game, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. If you've, if you've got something that you feel when reviews hit, it's going to be off the chain – and people are like, holy fucking shit, this game is massive and awesome. Now, let's be let's be honest. Ubisoft is very good at creating content for the sake of just creating content and shit to do. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be fun. Doesn't necessarily mean that like you're gonna want to do all this shit. You know, th- this is Ubisoft to to uh to a T. They create these really big worlds in their games, and then it's just like, oh, here's five bazillion things you can do in this game. Look how big of a game we made. And it sounds like this is kind of going to be like that. Now, whether or not the content that they've created for it is fun to experience and interesting enough to keep players interested is another story. However, on the flip side, we also have the entitlement of gamers going on. Where it's like, you realize how much money and time Ubisoft probably dumped into this game? You just want them to give it to you? Or you're upset that it's $70? Listen, if they don't have you, don't fucking buy the game. If you're upset about the price, that tells me that maybe you're interested. And if you're fucking interested, then maybe you should put a little money towards it. And if you disagree with the price, you disagree with the price. Wait for reviews. Don't buy it day one. You know, you have options as as a consumer... So what's the fucking problem? Do you want to play a shitty game? Probably not. So wait for reviews. If everyone says this game's fucking top tier and awesome and as big as what they say, then fucking maybe it's worth your $70. Otherwise, sorry you got excited over nothing. You know, it's not what it shook out to be, what you wanted it to be. Mm. It's that simple. It's like they can charge whatever they want and you don't have to give them a dime if you don't want to. So why is there an argument here? They're going to support their game the way they want to fucking support it. It's their game. It's not your game. It's their game. Let them do what they want to do with their game. It doesn't mean that they're making good choices. But for someone completely not invested in the title or in the game as a consumer, I feel like before the game's even released, how can you have such heavy opinions about something? Um, it just seems crazy to me. So it's just like it's like this gamer entitlement thing where it's like it's like the world entitlement thing. Everybody wants everything right away and for as cheap as they can fucking get their hands on it. Um, which is another reason why I fucking love Helldivers because it wasn't a $70 game. 
and the in-game purchases are completely monetized and the most fair way I've ever seen in a video game for years since for years it, it's so fucking fair anyways that's all I got on this that's my rant Jake do you have anything else you want to add or can we move on no I I uh dude they they probably they gotta get their money back so I, they kind of need to charge for this game yeah and i just hope it reviews well and we'll i guess we'll see in the coming days it it comes out this week so uh we'll see what happens and um maybe next week we'll know for sure what's going on i'll be really curious to see though like next month or a couple months from now whenever they release the the uh sales numbers how if this game charts at all because it could be that we're just in a bubble here and a lot of people are excited for this. And it's just like the industry people that are just like, what the fuck is this game? Like, it seems kind of weird. I don't, I don't understand. And like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's going to be great or, or maybe it's even maybe not as might not necessarily even be amazing. But like it just scratches the itch that everybody that a bunch of people have. Right. You know, this could be a game where everybody shits on it and then it comes out and sells a million copies in the first week. It could very well do better and than Suicide Squad, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we still don't know how well Helldivers 2 actually sold other than like the Steam concurrence or whatever. Mm. But like... No, I got numbers. Everybody was... What's that? I got numbers on a news point here. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, before we jump into that, yeah. it was just like... Uh, Everybody was like, what the hell is up with Helldivers right before it launched? Because we had no previews, no nothing, nobody said anything. And then, like, and then it came out, and it seems like everybody's fucking digging it. It's fucking So how can we even know anymore? Like, it's just one of those things. I think think we're going to be in, like, a – from now on, it's just going to be, except for, like, huge bombastic releases like GTA and shit – it's going to be like a wait and see sort of thing for every fucking game. Touch and go. Yeah, it's going to be the the consumer, the responsibility of maybe getting out and uh checking the oil on the things that they're interested in. Where where's the level at, right? Where like where's it at? The temperature check, you know? So, exactly. Um very good, Jake. I agree with you. Helldivers 2 news, and uh, I know I talked a lot about it, but I have a few more things that are more news-related as opposed to my personal opinion. Arrowhead developer Helldivers 2 has acknowledged that matchmaking issues with the game occurred in a PS5 patches inbound. I will say this. They were on this, like, like very quick. Um, so the cross-play functionality of the game, I believe, was the root of the issue and the server overload. Um, but also push, push square indicates that almost 1 million copies have sold of Helldivers two in the first week, which is fucking nice. awesome. Um, which means the more people play it, the more people are going to want to play it. And the more people are going to be talking about it. It's just going to, it's going to keep selling. Uh, there's no doubt about it. This game fucking, this game is awesome. Um, also, the director of Helldivers 2 made some comments about monetization. There was an article on Push Square I want to touch on it real quick. Somebody – and I agree with this this uh, Twitter post. Somebody had written um, uh, the, the director and just said, I'm glad that you guys are continuing the trend of very fair and not predatory microtransactions in PlayStation multiplayer games. Quite happy about that. So many live services – so many live services – 
end up dying because they chase greed instead of fun and a big player base. I love this game so much. Their director writes back, and the director says, you have to earn the right to monetize. I truly believe that. If you want people, if you want to support this title, um, if you want people to, sorry, people want to support the title, they have an option, but we are never forcing anyone to do so. Um, it's, uh, I'm loving this, and I'll tell you what I fucking want to see next. Will Sony go as far as doing a Helldivers Sony Pictures movie? Because I would fucking lose my mind if they made like a Starship Troopers kind of movie. And it's this shit. It would be so fun. It would be cool. It would be really cool. Or a series. It needs to fucking happen. I mean, we just got Masters of the Air, which is uh, Tom Hanks and uh, uh, Spielberg. I think they're working on the B-17 flight crew on on on, uh, Apple TV. And I've been following that and watching it. It's fantastic. But what if you had a movie directed the same way that it's like you you fucking sign up as, as a hell diver you follow this squad of hell divers and like throughout the episodes what if it's episodic content like this is the episode where gary gets fuck, fucking mowed down by his own gatlin turret you know by accident or like this is the episode where like you know the two members got separated and they barely made it back to the exfil and it's just nail biting the whole fucking time like are they these guys cuz gloves are off anybody could die at any point these characters you get to know and love and that was what was so good about the walking dead is like they were killing main characters every fucking episode and you didn't know who it was going to be i think there's a lot of potential in a hell divers tv series um where it's it's comical and it's like very satirical about for for god and for country you know we're going to save super earth but it's also like you get to love these characters because they're just so squirrely and like fun that like when they get taken out, like you're like, fuck, you know, Vinny died. Vinny got taken out. Episode three of Helldivers. I'm so mad. You know, he was the fun one. I related to him. I mean, they could make like an anthology where it's just like random fucking stories, oh, but like, uh, it could, there's so much I, potential. I just think as long as it stayed super, super just fucking silly and also really gory yeah kind of like a kind of like the uh just like the um like the trailers and shit Mm -hmm. like i think it would just be it would be fun like it would just be a fun kind of tv show it would be a hell of a a movie yeah even if it was just kind of kind of shitty but like still hilarious like i think it could be good though and hilarious yeah but i know you mean i just mean like i I just mean like it's not it's not going to be fucking shakespeare but no, like very on the you nose, know a, yeah. a good comedy like a satirical comedy or whatever could be awesome. Yeah, dude. Oh my god, it'd be so good. So th- that thought just popped into my mind. And the uh, <coughs> two, uh, we already talked about the God of War success, but just an idea of how Arrowhead's doing this right. They talk about shit in this transparent post that like maybe this is, this is the one after this, but anyways, they said like. Hey, everyone. They were posting on Reddit, on the Reddit for Helldivers. It's Mikhail here again. I want to give you an update on the issues we've experienced today. I'm happy to say that we've now improved matchmaking, fingers crossed, and the most frequent crashes. Let me explain where we are. We made a patch and are about to start playing alongside you to check check it, check, see if it works um, as intended. 
If it's a success, we'll trigger a hot fix and get it out to the Steam community first, then roll out to PS5 players as quickly as we can. Thank you seriously for your patience. We really want you all to have a blast playing the game. Bear with us. We're almost there. See you on the battlefield soon, Mikhail. Which is fucking awesome. Like, they're developers and their their transparency and communication with their audience is fucking laser quick. And they are in the good graces of everybody despite some launch issues. So other developers take note. That's all. Just fucking take note. Um, I'm not saying that every problem can be fixed right away, but they got this squared out pretty quick. Um, and then we said it was Sony's biggest PC launch, um, bigger than God of War. So I think that was biggest launch according to the Push Square article, but I don't have it in front of me. But that's the Helldivers news. Again, I can't recommend the game enough if it sounds like something you're interested in. Um, next news point. Is about Toys for Bob, the developer. So they are uh, were the developer of Crash Bandicoot Four, and they are closing an office, and they're hit with really big layoff. Um, they were acquired by Microsoft. Toys for Bob were, and now eighty six or so of their employees have been let go. Um, the studio is going to remain active at this time, but this is the uh, this is the risk you can suffer with being uh, getting acquired you know, by somebody else who can make these decisions for you. And it's kind of sad because I, I understand Crash Bandicoot 4 is really good and uh, they have a lot of talent there. So it's just a continuing uh, trend of big layoffs in video game industry right now, uh, over, over bloated industry, unfortunately, and people trying to cut expenses to, to increase gains. So kind of sucks. Did they, 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 did they do... Mutant Blobs Attack. Who did who did Toys for No. No, who did Mutant Blobs Attack? That was Drinkbox. Thank you. They also got acquired, right? By Microsoft? No. No? No, they didn't. No. I thought they got No, they just they 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 put a game on Game Pass. They put Nobody Saves the World on Game Pass. That's what I'm thinking. Right. They put out a Yeah. I knew there was some sort of tie in with Microsoft with that uh developer. No bad news for them though. Um next news point. Unless you have something to comment on that, Jake. No, it's just just a bummer. Like they did, uh, they did. Um, like you said, they did Crash, and then they also did that Spyro Reignited trilogy, which is the remake of the first three games. So, oh. and they had they had some like PS One games, and they did that Skylanders game, I think too. Okay, maybe so. Um, uh, or they did something with Skylanders. I don't really know, but anyway, so that sucks for them. Uh, I know that there's been some backlash with Microsoft. I, th- I saw even somewhere that the FTC was complaining that Microsoft is doing all these layoffs right after Scuttling. buying, right after buying fucking Activision, and how like I don't like maybe they're questioning that that maybe there's some uh, there's some unsavoriness going on there. But I don't know. I don't really care. Want to talk about it? But it's just. Uh, <laughs> It just sucks that, that this is happening all over the place, not just within Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, next news point is about um, Spider-Man 2, a game we haven't heard about much lately because it came out and everyone's pretty much beaten it and platinumed it, who pretty much owned it. Uh, but there is a new update coming to this game that's going to provide finally a new game plus, additional spider suits and more. Um, I believe the update's going to be free. Um, I... Don't have any interest in going back to this. Uh, Jake, you? 
No, I don't think so. I I I want to say the first Spider-Man game I only beat it the I only played it the one time and just cuz you get the platinum on one playthrough. Yeah. And then I I did this I did the same thing. Miles Morales I played like two or three times cuz you have to play it you have to play new game plus mode and some other shit to get the platinum for that. But the game was much shorter. Uh I just don't know that game was fun to play. It was really fun to play. I just don't know that I have any interest in diving back into it whenever there's so much other stuff that I could be playing. Like, I still haven't even finished the freaking Dead Space remake that mm. I replay that I started or play that I through that I started. Yeah. So, um, probably not going to be for me, at least not in the near future. Right. But I'm excited. Dude, I just wish it, I wish that they would just. Give you New Game Plus at launch. Like, why is this a thing that you're giving me six months later? Because I'm not going to play it six All months later. All the studios do it. Yeah. It's 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 kind of annoying. It's, but, a, it's asinine. I mean, it is it is what it is. It, yeah. it, there's nothing that's we can do about that. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, Next news point. This one's kind of weird, and I don't really even know what it means. But I thought it was good for discussion. Uh, there's rumors stirring around that all the Call of Duty games moving forward are going to feature an open world campaign. Mm. I don't know if that means that there won't be the streamlined, I don't know, like the straightforward campaigns or not, that we're used to getting in Call of Duty, like the level-based well, I think that they they I think they commented that it will be more open world, akin to like a Far Cry kind of scenario, mm. but that there would be linear mission segments in the game. So like that could uh, be cool. Yeah, I I mean far I mean I love Far Cry. So if there's a Far Cry, but like it's got the it's got the production quality of a Call of Duty. I mean, that could be really fun. It just really boils down to how much effort they actually put into the execution single player of it. Yeah. So right. well. if if they really do execute and they make it great, and I guess this new one um, that's coming out this year, what's it going to be called? Uh, Golf War, I think, or something like that. Um, I think it's it's being. The single player is being done by Raven, which is a really great single player studio. So I am actually really intrigued to see how this one comes out. And if it comes out good, I'm, I might play it as long as there's enough material, enough content there for me to justify the purchase. Mm-hmm. Cause it sounds cool. Yeah. And, and a game, I, and, and I don't know if we've ever gotten a game that takes place during desert storm or at least not very many. So that might be kind of interesting. Might be a touchy subject for some people. I don't know. I I think it sounds cool. I think it sounds cool, man. All right. Uh, two more quick news points, and then we'll talk about the new games that came out this week, and then we will let you all go for today's episode 315. Uh, this one, Jake, we just talked about this game. We just talked about it because we neither of us realized that it was released. And the game I'm talking about is Valiant Hearts 2. Uh, Valiant Hearts got a sequel. It was only available on Netflix somehow. Accessing the game became a challenge. The rumor is now is that it's getting ported to PS4 
um, because it got a rating recently for PS4, which is music to my ears. Uh, I'm actually excited about this. Jake? Yeah. Um, Valiant Hearts, the first one, was fucking awesome. And so I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if I have the uh, the patience for a game like that nowadays just because there was so much reading and stuff like that involved. It was a very passive game. Mm. I do think that this would be a game that would actually be pretty good on like tablet or phone just because – there really isn't like heavy gameplay elements. There's a lot of atmosphere and di- like dialogue and yeah. and uh, scenery and and letters. Like I, one of the cool things about um, about Valiant Hearts was that the uh, I think a lot of the letters in the game were real letters from recovered from World War One soldiers and stuff. So it was a very historical game, and I'm really curious about this one. And this would be a kind of game that would be a, a neat game to, like, play in bed or something like that. Mm. So I'm, uh, I am interested in what this is going to be. And I guess I could do that now with, like, Netflix on my phone or whatever. But, like, uh, I, uh, I don't really know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until yeah. I actually try and play it. Maybe a good opportunity for the PlayStation PS Portal or the Backbone, you know, for people yeah, maybe. who have that. Um, anyways, Jake, did we talk about the rumor of Microsoft games coming to the PlayStation Network yet on last episode? I don't recall if we had this Yeah, I mean, we, we, we definitely have discussed it in some capacity. All right, so I, I guess the game list tends to grow a little bit. Uh, the Ver- or the Verge, which is a gaming website, I don't know a whole lot about them, but this is the first thing that came up. And they're saying that now the rumors suggest that the following games could very well appear on non-Xbox platforms. This is four hours ago. It says, um, sources familiar with Microsoft's plans tell The Verge that, company, that the company is getting ready to launch a select number of Xbox games on PS5 and Nintendo Switch. Weeks of rumors suggest that Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and even Bethesda titles like Starfield and Indiana Jones could appear on non-Xbox platforms. If we get a fucking Indiana Jones that we didn't think we were going to get, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, the game looks great. So I, it would be cool if we could get it. I mean, I I don't know that we'll get it at launch. We might get it like you know delayed release or something. Time like will that, tell. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I mean, they're supposed to comment on this, I believe, this week. So we mm-hmm. might know quite a bit more by the time we do the next podcast. But um, I, I'll say what I said the last time is that even if it's only Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves, everybody who is even remotely interested in in video games, I believe, in a single-player capacity, should play Hi-Fi Rush. It's so cool. Um, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, ex- and, and, expl- and, uh, and uh, say that it's like the best game ever made or anything like that, but it's just, it's so unique, and it's just out of left field, 
and it's not like a full price game and it's it's very cool. So I highly advise everybody give it a shot if it does come over. But we won't we won't know until we uh hear from them, hopefully this week. Yeah. And I lied. One quick news thing. Reviews have dropped for Banishers Ghost of New Eden. And Push mm. Square have given it an eight out of ten, which is extremely good. That's decent. For yeah. a Push Square rating. So usually they're pretty judicial in the way they hand out these uh pretty fair. You know, I think an eight out of ten is is impressive to me. So that there might be some teeth to this game after all. Um, I think their headline was something like, you know, it's it's fun to play and the story's good or something like that. It, along those lines, it's not it verbatim, but implying that the gameplay actually holds up and the the story's great too. Fantastic storytelling. So I think this might be another sleeper game that might just really fucking take off uh, if this is the first sign of reviews to come for it. So good, good on them. Um, cool. All right, let's get the new games. New games coming out this week. Um, give me one second. I'm just putting down the timestamp on this. Um, February 12th, Airhead on PS5. We had a lot of games. Um, February 13th, which is the day after we're recording this. Uh, Arzet, The Jewel of Faramore on PS5, PS4. Banishers of Ghosts of New Eden, PS5. February 14th, which I believe is Valentine's Day. Adventure Bar Story, PS5, PS4. Lords of Exile on PS4. I thought the game was already out. And then Tomb Raider 1 to 3 Remastered on PS5, PS4. That's interesting. February 15th, a little to the left, PS5, PS4. Gunvolt Records, Psy Chronicle, PS5, PS4. Plate Up, PS5, PS4. Small Land, Survive the Wilds, PS5. Spirit Hunter, Deathmark 2 on PS5. Survivor Man VR, The Descent, PSVR 2, which I heard is more of an experience and less of a game about how to survive a, a plane wreck in the Arctic, um, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, February 16th, Skull and Bones, which we talked about on today's show uh, on the PS5. And then The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4 for PS5. Oh, and lastly, on the 18th, Slave Zero X on PS5. So those are the games for this week. So a nice little list. I don't have... Anything else game-related. But I do have one thing to say. For those who are unfamiliar with the old format of the show, we used to include music at the end of our show. I mentioned earlier there was going to be a surprise at the end that nobody knew was going to happen. Jake, you included. Our friend and patron of the show, LJ, plays in a band called Malingo. M-A-L-I-N-G-O. They have a new album coming out. And uh, there's no uh, specific release date, but the uh, album is coming out in April, and they're going to be giving out or putting out new singles into the world every two to three weeks. The recording quality is fantastic. They put a lot of time into this. LJ plays the bass guitar in this group. So give LJ a little bit of love. Listen to this song. If it's up your alley, check out Malingo. If it's not... Uh, maybe send some positive vibes his way anyways. Um, it's always stressful to release a record and be a part of this process. So um, hats off to LJ. I'll put it on at the end of the show. The song title is called Say It Ain't So. Not to be confused with the Weezer song, Jacob. Um, mm. But uh, it's, a, it's a good song. I listened to it. It's uh, done very well. 
And uh, hats off to you, LJ, for being a part of a band that's creating and doing really cool stuff. And I know you guys get so, 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 I've told you before, so, so, so many more plays on Spotify and shit than I've ever had. So you guys are way more successful in social media than we are. But um, hats off to you. And uh, I hope the release goes well, dude. So for the listeners, make sure you check out, at the end of the show, Sadie and So by Malingo, which is uh, LJ's band. And uh, that being said, I have nothing for closing, except I just want to tell everybody, have an awesome week. Enjoy President's Day, because that'll be the next holiday that happens before you hear from Mm -hmm. us again. That is Monday. I believe the 18th might be President's Day. I think that's the day. I don't know if it is. So make sure you enjoy President's Day and uh, for Super Earth, you know, make sure you pay homage where it needs to be paid. Jake, do you have anything you'd like to say before we close out episode 315? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, um, I'm excited to play a little bit more of Immortals of Avium. I don't know how well the game will hold, hold up for me, but uh, it's got me my interest peaked for now mm-hmm. and uh i'm looking forward to what i guess like two weeks is when final fantasy 7 rebirth comes out so that'll be really exciting yeah can't wait for that yeah very good all right well, that's it for episode 315 of PS. This is awesome. A PlayStation podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Come back next week and make sure to say hi. So, like, hold on, Xenogears, XCOM, and 13. I'll give it to you. PS. This is awesome. There's not a lot of games that start with X. Say it ain't so